So last week we talked about this idea of running with horses means we need to run with endurance. We can't quit. We can't allow ourselves to grow weary and give up and turn back. Today I want to focus on this idea of running with prayer. That's my message today. And uh, I want to look in 1 Kings chapter 18. And I want to read verses 41 through 46. So if you want to open your Bibles there, the words will come up on the screen. But you may want to open your word there and kind of maybe even take notes there. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. I stood with a few others in this room on the top of Mount Carmel and we could see the Mediterranean Sea. He said to him, go look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked and he said, There is nothing. Everybody say, there is nothing. There is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So he went out. Seven times came back. Nothing. Everybody say, nothing. And then it says, it came to pass. Everybody say, it came to pass. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, the servant to Elijah said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, he says, you better get moving toward home or you're going to get stuck in the mud. Verse 45, it says, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain, so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins. I wish we talked like that nowadays. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now I want you to notice, Elijah prayed. God began to move. His hand came upon him, and he outran a horse and chariot back to Jezreel. And today we're going to talk about this turbo-boosting kind of prayer life, where we get ahead. Amen. So, I've asked my beautiful wife, Julie, to pray over this message. Can we just agree with her in prayer? Yes, Father, we just thank you for this time that we can gather, that we are free to gather together to hear the precious words thank you, Jesus. From, your, from your heart to us. And we know that in your word you say heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. Amen. Thank we you, sit here attentively and expectantly waiting to hear your truth to us today. And we just pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Well, when we, anytime we talk about, especially this passage, but anytime we talk about Elijah, I think we just need to remind ourselves of what the New Testament said about him in the book of James, 
It said about what we read about here in James chapter 5, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Don't you like that that verse is in there, that little passage? He hate holding microphones so but anyway uh where was i where was i oh i love that fact when he said elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth bore its fruit the nation of israel when Elijah prayed that there would be no rain, it was because the nation of Israel was already in a spiritual drought. According to the covenant of God, the Lord said to the nation, he said, as long as you love me, obey me, follow me, and give me your undivided allegiance, you will be blessed, your land will be blessed, your homes will be blessed, your kids will be blessed, you will be blessed. But if you reject me, if you rebel against me, if you turn away from me, if you become complacent toward me and serve other gods, he said, you'll bring a cursing upon yourself. You can go ahead and bring it up here. Thank you so much. Everybody give Seth a hand. Guys, all right, there I am. Praise God for power. But anyway, so Elijah prayed in this spiritual drought because the nation of Israel was, or he prayed in a literal drought because the nation of Israel was in a spiritual drought. And uh, so what happened was in the passage that we read, the nation had been three and a half years into this drought on the land, and the land was parched and dry. And it did not move the people toward God at all. It did not cause them to repent, to turn to God, to turn, surrender their life to God. But, however, God was moving, and God was now ready to move in the land. How many of you thank God that God is always ready to do something? He's ready to move. And so Elijah sensed that, and he called this kind of major showdown on top of Mount Carmel. And he called together all of, the false, all of the prophets of the false god Baal, and he called together all of the people of the, of the nation, and he said, we're just going to have a giant showdown of who is really God in this land and who is really Lord over all. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing. You can read the previous verses. But essentially, in dramatic fashion, God manifested his power. He poured out fire from heaven, consuming the altar. The Bible said everyone that was there gathering, except for the false prophets, everyone there bowed their faces to the earth and said, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. And Elijah in that spiritual fervor and great victory, went on a spiritual warfare rampage. And he slaughtered, he had killed 450 false prophets of Baal. Yes, that's what happened. Amen. And 
What he did essentially was he purged the land of those demonic influencers. And as a result of that, he then, after that great victory, he began to pray for a mighty outpouring of God's refreshing and revival on the people and on the land of Israel. God wants to pour out His Spirit in our day. Now listen, I just want to remind us, we too live in the, in the midst of a great spiritual drought in our time. We can sense the, the parchness and the dryness of soul all around us. Now, God, even in Elijah's day, in our time, God always has a remnant of people who do not bow their knee to Baal. Hallelujah. And, but, but for the most part, by and large, we see a massive drifting away from God and the things of God in our time. But God wants to do something. And here's, after, you know, just like God gave a great victory on top of Mount Carmel. And, after, and as a result of that, Elijah went into prayer for the nation for a mighty outpouring of God. So in the same way, we all are operating out of a great victory off of Mount Calvary. 2,000 years ago, Jesus destroyed death, hell, and the grave. And now he has raised up an Elijah-like people, that's you and me, who will not bow their, not only not bow their knee to Baal, but also give their lives completely and totally devoted to extending and expanding the kingdom of God in the earth. And the way that we do that, the, one of the primary ways that we do that, we shine our light, we love with God's love, but listen, we can't do anything without the power of prayer. We need to be a praying people, church. We all need to be praying Christians. Don't go silent on me. Come on. We need to be a praying church. We want the winds and the rains of refreshing and revival to hit the land. The land of Butte, Montana. The land of Southwest Montana. The land of the United States of America. And the way that we're going to pave our way forward and see a mighty outpouring is when we the people understand that we've been called to pray. Now prayer is a lot of things, but one of the things that it is, I, I love, it's a Charles Spurgeon quote. Charles Spurgeon said that prayer is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. I love that terminology. It's spiritual transaction. You know what he's saying there? We Pray the price, God delivers the goods. Amen. If we are willing to pray the price, God responds because He's invited us in to His working in the earth. And the way that we stay in vital communication and partnership with what He's doing in the earth is through prayer, communion, communication with Him, calling upon Him. We cannot let down our guard now. We, if we're going to run with the horses, church, if we're going to thrive in the problems and in the evil day in which we live, we're not going to do it and be prayerless. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. So today I want to talk about this. And this is a simple, straightforward message. I, I want to unpack 
this passage of Scripture because I think there is in it some things, principles for us to glean, hopefully to inspire us, not just instruct us, but inspire us to go to that deeper place in prayer in our lives. And I want to look at this by, first of all, talking about the responsibility that we have to pray. And then in just a few, uh, in just a few minutes from now, I'm going to talk about the results of our praying. First of all, we need to talk about our responsibility. As Christians, one of our most important duties and responsibility is to be people of prayer. Amen, Tim. That's a yes, that's true. That's right. It is a responsibility. That's if you if if you align Christianity with a job description, so to speak, that's got to be in the top ten things that as Christians we've been called and commissioned and sent out to do is to be people of prayer. Because we can't do this in our own strength. And in our own wisdom, and by our own ingenuity, not by might, not by your might, not by our power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so, we need to up our prayer game. Amen. And it's a responsibility every one of us has. God had just given a massive victory to Elijah in, earlier in the chapter when he prayed this 37-word prayer and then after that, God sent down fire and consumed the altar. And Elijah could have said, wow, God moved. God answered my prayer. God did it. Now God's just going to finish it out. And what we see here is that's not the way it works. God moves, and then we move. And when God moves, we move to prayer, so God will move some more. That's what he did. The Bible said he went on top of the mountain to pray. After God had poured out fire from heaven, he went on top of the mountain to finish the job. Can I tell you, church, that the job is not done? Amen. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And so prayer is our responsibility. So how do we pray responsibly? Well, First of all, we need to pray confidently. We need to pray with confidence. I love what Elijah said after God gave him the victory. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He didn't see the sound. He didn't see the rain. He said, I can sense that God is up to something. Church, can you sense that God is up to something in our day? I know if you listen to certain voices, it sounds one way. And I know if you go by your feeling, it feels one way. But listen, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And I know it may look really bad, but God isn't just trying to develop survivors, He's trying to send out thrivers. And we have to get into our senses like, I can hear something, God is up to something. God is doing something. So what do I do? What did Elijah do? When he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, the Bible said he went on top of the mountain. He went back to the place where he experienced victory before. In that 37-word prayer, he went back to where he saw victory. In other words, you can say it like this. He prayed from a place of victory. 
See, whenever you and I enter into the throne room of grace, we are praying from a place of victory. Amen. Now, I know we don't always feel like it. Anybody ever gone into your closet and you just feel completely defeated and hopeless? And you don't think that, but no, listen, if, we're gonna, if things are going to get turned around, there has to come in us a sense of confidence. We need to pray confidently. I love how James said it. The Bible, James said, if you remember, he said, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. You know, we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You know how I'm righteous? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Same way you're righteous, right? Jesus made me righteous. He made me, like Daniel was talking about here, my identity is in Christ. And so when I enter in, I enter boldly and confidently into his throne room of grace because I know that he has given me the right to be there. 1 John chapter 5. Verses 14 and 15, John says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. How many of you believe that a revival in the land would please the Lord? A changing in our own hearts and in the life of the church would please the Lord. So he's like... If it pleases him, he's willing to do it. And then he went on to say, and he said, and since we know that he hears us, when we make our requests, we also know. Everybody say no. no. I know, John is saying, we know that he will give us whatever we ask for. Confidence. This kind of confident praying carries with it a kind of expectation. I fully expect that God is going to move. Amen. We also need to pray not only confidently, but we need to pray dependently. I love how the scriptures say that when he went to the top of the mountain, he went there in confidence. But he also went there in humility and full dependence upon the Lord. He bowed his head. Or he bowed to the ground. He put his head between his knees. He literally kind of got in that fetal position. And he just, he just began to draw into God. He was confident in who God was and who he was in him. He went to that place because he had seen God move before. But he also went with a posture and an attitude and a heart of full dependence on the power of God to do it. It's not in how loud you pray. It's not in how long you pray. It's in the fact that God hears you when you pray. Amen. We get hung up and we get ourselves hung up in our spirit and we get all defeated so that we never go back into the closet or we, or we rarely go there because we're all hung up on how we do it. Just get your heart right in a right place in a position with Him in humility and dependence. You don't have to be impressive. Amen. You just need to be dependent. Praise God. Hopefully this will encourage our prayer life. Elijah's posture shows a man totally dependent on God. Remember what James said? He said, prayer has great power as it is working. I love that translation. 
Prayer has great power as it is working. That's a, that's a great way of saying it. The word for working uh, is in the middle voice in the original Greek language. And it means that we pray, but God is making the prayers effective. I'm praying, but he's working. I pray and God works. He's putting effect in them. He's making them effectual. He makes them availing. I do it. I, let's see. I do the work of prayer. He does the work through prayer. Maybe that would be a good way of saying it. And that reminds us that God is working all things together for good, right? That's why we pray, because God is working all things together. Paul said in Ephesians 3.20 that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. Prayer works. Do you believe that? Do you believe prayer works? Prayer does work, but, everybody say but, it doesn't always work the way we think it's going to work, or in accordance to our timetable. So don't get discouraged. You stay dependent. You stay in that fetal position of humility. I can't do this, God. I'm confident and expect that you're going to do it. I know that you're working. And how, how's this going to happen? You're the one who's working. You're working. You're making it effectual. Hallelujah. You're making it to avail. And so if you're going to pray dependently, you have to let God be God and you be you, boo. You just do you, just do you boo. Amen. We need to pray confidently. We need to pray dependently. We also need to pray persistently. Is anybody having fun out there? We need to pray persistently. So here's the story. He went up there to pray. He bowed down to the ground. He sent his servant out. He said, I want you to keep a watch out over the sea. And uh, that's the direction of accumulation. Look toward where something's going to happen. And the servant came back and he said, I don't see anything. And so Elijah just kept on praying. And the guy, he said, he sent him out again. And, and the Bible tells us he did this seven times. And every time the guy came back, except for the seven, he said, I don't see anything. I don't see any movement. I don't see any accumulation. I don't see anything happening. Anybody know that feeling about prayer? But what did Elijah do? He kept going to prayer. <laughs> Amen. Come on, church. And the Bible said it came to pass the seventh time. 
it came to pass at that time that there was a cloud as small, everybody say as small, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So this is what the servant brought back. I see movement, but it's really, really small. So it's still, for a while, there was nothing. And then when there was something, it just wasn't big enough. Come on. If we're going to pray, the only way that we're going to run with the horses and the problems and the struggles of our time, we have to pray with persistence. We can't give up. That's what James meant when he said he, Elijah prayed fervently that it would rain. Remember that word? He prayed fervently. Literally, the Greek word or the, the construction of that is, and it's, this is the literal translation of those two words. He prayed in his prayers. In other words, when he was praying, he prayed. And he prayed fervently. He persisted. He wouldn't give up. He just kept praying. He kept going to the core. He kept driving in. He wasn't going to give up because he knew God was doing something. And so he just kept praying. This is the kind of prayer that Jesus was teaching us about in Luke 18 when he said that men ought always to pray and never give up. Just keep praying. Persistent prayer is the proof of great faith. You just keep going after it, even though you don't see anything. Now listen, we have to... Two, two thoughts I want to give to you today. Number one, just because it's silent doesn't mean God's saying no. Silence doesn't mean no. Now, it shouldn't say silence, the next word. It should say smallness doesn't mean it won't grow. You see that second silence? I gave the wrong word. Smallness doesn't mean it won't grow. Just because all you're getting is silence, that doesn't mean that God is saying no. And just because it's small now doesn't mean it's not going to grow. This is what gives you the fuel to keep persisting in prayer. Just because I don't see anything right now and I'm not hearing anything right now, that doesn't mean that God's saying, no, I'm, this is not. It doesn't. When, when the guy said, to, when the servant said to Elijah, I see nothing, that doesn't mean that God was saying no to the thing. Now, I don't know, and I don't want to get into an exhaustive teaching on this, but I don't know all the reasons for delay necessarily, but I do know that there are times when we experience a delay because it's a timing issue, that God is, there, that there's, there's something of a timing issue, but it's our persistence in the praying is what's going to help to bring that time to bear. So you, it's not like, oh, if it's a timing issue, I'll just stop and you just tell me when it's time, God. Well, that's not how it works. 
You, you do the persisting, God works out the timing. Another uh, issue that may be happening in us when there's a delay is that God may be bringing us, you, me, personally, to a deeper place, drawing us into a secret place of his presence where he is doing something on the inside of us to prepare us for what's coming. And of course, there is always in a delay, there is always the idea that it could be a tactical maneuvering of hell to block our prayers like it, the darkness did with Daniel's praying. And he said, from the first day that you started praying, the answer was on the way, but I got, I, I got held up in a warfare with the prince of Persia, principality is what he's referring to. The demonic darkness over Persia. And uh, so that's a lesson to us, to persevere. Amen. Be persistent in prayer because sometimes God is, in a, you know, I may be experiencing delay because it's a timing thing that God wants me to pray it into the place. It's a personal thing where God is drawing me to a deeper place or it could be a tactical thing, a maneuver of help. Amen. There is one other thing that we're responsible, another attitude or way that we need to pray responsibly, and we need, this is, we need to pray continuously. That means what I'm talking about, the difference between what I'm talking about in being persistent in our prayers and being continual in our prayers is this. There are things that God is doing, revealing, showing, and he gives us something to press in on and to be persistent about even when I don't see it or even if it's small right now, right? But continually, I'm talking about this idea of staying in a spirit of prayer and being committed to the practice of it in our lives. In other words, it's, our, it's always the first thing or our first resort. It's not down on our list of things that we'll do if I have time. It's a priority in our life. And the reason why I want to share this with you is because, again, if you read the whole story in chapter 18 and then going into chapter 19, you'll find something there. Elijah is on a spiritual high. I mean, he's praying prayers and God is moving and and then he's praying for a revival and a rain, and God begins to do that. And then the very next chapter, chapter 19, the first verse, the Bible tells us that Jezebel uttered these words, the next time I see that guy talking about Elijah, I'm going to kill him. And you know what he did? Instead of running to prayer where he's seen victory, he ran in fear and wound up in depression and defeat. See, I want to I be careful about this because I don't want anybody to feel judgment today. I know when we start talking about prayer, everybody starts to wilt up a little bit on the inside. Like, oh, I know I don't measure up. And I'm not here to beat us down. I'm hoping that this is an appeal calling us up to the to the, 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 the greater place in God's presence. But listen, 
Some of the reason why we run in defeat and we're running ourselves ragged and we find ourselves uh, maybe even in depression is because rather than going to God as a priority and a commitment, we're running. We're running away from that place. And, and we're just, we're beat up. Now Elijah was a man of prayer. He's a man like us. He has a nature like us. I'm so glad that verse is in the Bible because I can identify with that all too well. That oftentimes I hear the sound of voices and thoughts and words that you're done, that you're over, You've been pouring yourself out. You've been doing what God's called you to do. And then all of a sudden you hear something. And rather than going back to the place where you know your strength and power is, in that moment of humanity and in weakness, we run away. And we end up and we wonder why I'm in this place of defeat and depression. The only way to overcome that and to get the victory is to pray continually. So my encouragement would be, if you, and I'm only speaking this not as a point of, of a, you know, regulation or anything like that, just say, just say, as a child of God, carve out your day around His presence. Get into that closet place. Let there come that time when you get alone with Him and commune with Him. And obviously we need to pray continually and we can through the course of our day in the supermarket, driving down the road. All of that's good and we all have access. But carving out time where you can dispel the voices of murder and you know hopelessness and get your spirit refreshed in His presence. It's practical, but it's powerful, and you'll run with horses. Come on, church. Let's talk a little bit about the results of our praying. I love how the Scripture says, after He prayed, that the hand of the Lord came upon Him. This is the picture of, the result of our praying is that the Spirit of God begins to move on us and there's a power that comes upon us. Can I just say that prayer is as much about what God is doing in you as He's going to do for you. The Lord wants you there because there's a great thing He's doing in your life. And what I saw in this passage of Scripture are just some things that I think will help us and inspire us, hopefully, to just kind of stay in that place of prayer and go deeper and be more committed to it. One of the, one of the results of praying is that it increases our faith. In the act of praying confidently and dependently and persistently and continuously, there, there comes, I think, a, a kind of a building up of our faith. And we see this, I think, in Elijah when he heard, when the, when the servant came back and said, I see something, but it's about the size of a man's hand out there. It doesn't look like very big. It doesn't look like much. But Elijah got inspired by that. 
It built his faith. He said, there's a cloud out there for three and a half years. We haven't seen anything. You mean there's a cloud out there? As small as it was, he had faith to believe that God was up to something. And now was the time that God was going to do it. And we need not to be discouraged by the smallness of things. We need to get excited and encouraged by even the littlest movements. So that we have faith. Jesus said, when you pray, you must believe. Have faith in God, he said. When you go into prayer, go in there with faith. But let me tell you something. When you go in with faith, hopefully you come out with greater faith. Increased faith. Anybody in this room like me once in a while? Do you have a problem with faith? Do you have a trust issue? Listen, the only way to really solve that is to go up into the presence of God and pray and lean into Him. And God will give you the answer. I, I was thinking about just this morning as I was going over my notes, I was thinking about that episode in David's life where David, his, his, uh, he and his men, their, their wives and their children and all their possessions had been taken. And the men then turned around and blamed David for their problems. And they wanted to stone him and kill him. I mean, you know, that's a big problem right there. The Bible said that David went and encouraged himself in the Lord, inquiring of the Lord how to work through this. And when he inquired, he got inspired. And his faith rose on the inside of him. And instead of being wallowing in defeat, he got back on his, in his authority and went after his possessions. And that's what prayer does for us. It's encouraging yourself. It's building your faith. Another thing, another result of praying is this that it focuses our mind. The Bible said, and he girded up his loins. What this means is that he took his overcoat and tucked it into his belt so that he could run to Jezreel on foot. He had told Ahab, you need to get in your chariot and get there before you get bogged down in the mud. And instead of catching a ride with Ahab, he said, I'll get there by by myself, and he just, he girded up his loins, his overcoat, and stuck it in his belt so that there would be nothing that could hinder his run. And here's what Peter, I have to, I have to almost believe, Peter had this story in mind when he wrote these words. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, where we, where we slow down and where we get uh, bogged down in life is right here in the way we process life. 
in our thought life, in how we're dealing with our problems, what we're thinking about ourselves, what we're thinking about God, how we're thinking about the devil. We need to tie up the loose ends of our lives and stop being distracted by everything that's coming our way. Find that place like Jesus said about Mary. She's found the most important place. She's not distracted and worried about many things. See, what prayer does is it helps you to get your focus so that you can get your run on. You know, we, I don't know if you've ever done this. Years ago, I used to make prayer lists so that I could keep my mind in prayer. Anybody ever done that? And if you do that, that's great. I, this is not a... This is, this is not talking about that. But I used to write out a prayer list every once in a while. And I put names on there. And I put situations on there. And I, put, and I, would, I would just make sure because sometimes I'm in there praying. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm fixing something at my house. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that God can't be in that. But you know, I just felt like I was unfocused in my prayer. And so I brought a list in prayer. I want to tell you something. I believe God. I want to talk about a prayer list. Not your list. God's list. When you get with God, the Lord will put in your spirit the thing that you need to set yourself to. Gird up your, the loins of your thinking and start working on the list. And it may be one thing. God says, you need to go with this. You got this issue going on in your life? Here's the answer. Here's what I'm telling you to do. And, and I'm telling you something. You'll, you'll have focus in your life. See, if prayer, see, prayer works for us as much as it's working something to give us. You know what I mean? And so the Lord wants to give us a focused mind. So true prayer will bring you, bring focus in your life. And then there's one more thing. And Katie, please come. So I don't ramble on. It empowers our abilities. Everybody in this room has skills. Everybody in this room has abilities. Here's what he did. He tucked his overcoat in his belt and he ran. And the Bible said he beat the horse and chariot to Jezreel. He went ahead. He got there first. He won the race. Now this isn't a competition with people. But I do believe that the Lord wants to give us the advantage in life. And the advantage comes through prayer. It was after he prayed and his faith was enlarged and his focus became clear that there was a power in his skill, in his ability, in what he was doing, whatever it was. God gave him a power beyond himself. And he gave him an edge. He gave him the edge. He won, as it were, getting there. And I want to tell you something. God desires to give his people the edge in life. He wants you to get there ahead. But we can't do that if we're not getting with him and depending on him and looking to him. Psalms 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Chariots and horses represents man's ability, man's power, man's strength, 
But we don't get our strength from ourselves. We get it from God. We're not looking to the government to be our answer. We're not looking to the next president or the, or the current president or whatever to be our answer. God is our answer. We're not looking to finances and what comes in and how big, you know, whatever. We're, we're looking to God. We don't trust in chariots and horses. We outrun them. Amen. Eric Little. You guys maybe have heard the story before. He was a Scottish missionary in 1924. He ran in the Olympics. He was a sprinter. But all the, race, the sprinting races were held on Sunday. And his devotion to the Lord wouldn't allow him to run on Sunday. So he ran the 400, which was not his race. And so he was preparing for the 400... And uh, he ended up winning that race. And they made a movie about it called Chariots of Fire. And one day, somebody asked, asked him, Eric, why do you run? And he said, I love it, it's a classic answer. He said, because God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I was just thinking about that. I was thinking, when we run with prayer, that's, where we, that's really where you feel the pleasure of God. You'll run in areas and you'll win in places that you didn't think you could do. God will give you the victory. We're living in a time when the horses, the approaching hoofbeats, of the horses of the book of Revelation, you can hear them. They're getting closer and closer and closer. But we're not looking to get out of here in a whimper. We're looking to leave this place in a blaze of glory. God is raising up a victorious church in our day. Can we stand together, church? Can I have the prayer team come? And if you need prayer for anything today. We have some people up here that would be willing to pray with you. If you would like to uh, receive prayer for a, um, you know, about uh, concerning your prayer life, you know, the development of that, these folks would be willing to pray with you about that or a healing or any other thing that you might be going through. We, we want to make sure today that you don't leave here like you came. Amen. That you can leave healed and renewed and refreshed. So I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. And when I'm done, you can leave or you can come up here and receive prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, God, that, that we would become a prayer force of people right here at Abundant Life Fellowship, that we would become a prayer force, God, in our day, in our age, God, that we pray the reins of refreshing, revival, and renewal on this land. I pray that every one of us will find that closet place and every one of us will commit to that corporate place. God, we say 
send down the rains right now. Could you just lift your hands with me and let's make that our, our appeal to the Lord. Lord, we pray for a revival in our time and in our land right now, God. We sense that you are moving. It doesn't always look good. It doesn't always feel good. But God, we lift our hands with our heart to you in full dependence, God, crying out to you, God, that you would come and move here now, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, as small as it may appear to us, God, I pray that we would have faith believing that big things are on the way. We don't want to despise the small beginnings. We receive it now in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day. Call